0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, if you haven't recovered from Saturday night's wild UFC 249 event, it is time to shake off those cobwebs because the UFC is back tomorrow night once again. Hello there, everybody. I am Mike Heck for MMAfighting.com. Welcome to the official UFC Jacksonville preview show on MMA fighting. And joining me live from Jacksonville, a couple of different people. First, let us introduce UFC reporter Laura Sanko, who is just so gracious with her time. Laura, how are you? Ha- have you recovered from 249 yet?
0: To be honest with you, I haven't. I, I took all of Sunday and just kind of chilled. And then I don't know. I literally don't know what I did yesterday. My husband, I was talking to him before I went to bed. He's like, "Oh, what did you do today?" And I couldn't. I couldn't even explain it. I don't know how I wasted an entire day. But now I'm in the position I'm usually. I'm like, "Wow, I've got. A, I have a lot of homework I need to do today and tomorrow."
1: <laughs> it's and beautiful also- here,
0: though. I've been going. I've been going on a lot of jogs.
1: I bet it's a it's a crazy time, and joining along for the ride during this crazy time. We also have MMA Fighting's Jose Young. Joining us as well, embracing the grind per usual. How are you feeling on this Tuesday, sir?
2: I forget what sleep is, I forgot what outside was. Uh, but yeah, it's a weird situation. I mean, in any other normal situation, Laura and I could do this in the same room together, but yeah, it's all social looks distancing. Like we are in the thing, same room, I know. I was thinking, I'm like, <laughs> why aren't we doing this together? Oh, yeah, social distancing is, is the thing. Oscar and I try to do the preview show. I don't even know what day it was. They all blur together. And like fans were like walking up behind us and like looking at our camera. And I'm just like six feet, six feet, six feet while while we're doing the preview show. So this is a lot safer, obviously.
1: <laughs> Agreed. So let's let's get right into this thing. We have an intriguing main event in the light heavyweight division between a pair of former title challengers tomorrow night. Anthony Smith taking on Glover Teixeira. Anthony Smith's story to get to where he's at today is just unbelievable to me. He's had the fight with John Jones that he admits wasn't his best night at the office. Bounced back with an impressive submission win against Alexander Gustafson. And he's had to overcome just this gnarly hand injury that has taken him almost a year to recover for this return to the Octagon. Glover Teixeira has quietly won his last three fights, picked up a hard-fought split-decision win over Nikita Krylov in his last fight. Laura, this is an interesting fight at 205 pounds to cap this event off, is it not?
0: It is a very interesting fight. And what's interesting to me is is they're both these like grizzled veterans. One of them just happened to be a lot younger than the other one. I mean, I, I I'm from the Midwest. Anthony Smith's from the Midwest, so I've been watching Anthony fight for a very, very long time. And it seems like he should be fifty years old based on the number of fights he has. Um, but you don't get much more of a resume in terms of the UFC. Uh, you look through Glover to share his topology, and it's just like, like a, like a hall of fame roster. Basically he has literally fought everyone that this division has had to offer for a very long time. Um, in terms of like Chuck I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that, uh, I think that Anthony Smith, I'll say it. I think Anthony Smith has the most underrated jujitsu in the UFC. Uh, we all know Glover Teixeira has phenomenal jujitsu for this, uh, weight division. They both can, they both can bang. I just think that It's possible that Glover, to share his age, is going to catch up to him a little bit. Anthony's a really good natural athlete. The thing that, I don't even want to say concerns me, but the X factor, I guess, that will be perhaps explained um, on, on, I almost said Saturday, (laughs) on Wednesday night, uh, maybe when I get a chance to talk to him. I want to know how much this the quarantine has affected Anthony. I know that he actually has come and trained in glory quite a bit because James Krause and Martin Montoya, are basically mirrors of each other. We're all sort of like one family. So he's had a camp. He's had a great camp. But the home invasion part of it and the psychology of that, the stress that that puts on your family. I know his kids have been sleeping with him. I have tried to sleep with little kids before and you don't sleep. Um, I know it sounds like kind of a random thing to sort of throw into uh, what could play a role in a fight, but you also have to imagine that he spent, I think what he described as five to seven minutes beating the brakes off of some guy without any gloves on. And I I find it hard to imagine that there wasn't any residual like stress from that for him, you know?
1: Yeah, a lot of lot of interesting things to unpack there, Laura. Jose, one thing that Laura mentioned that sticks out to me is that Anthony Smith does have that underrated ground game. He's known yeah. more for his power on the feet and knocking guys out, but his ground game is super legit. He's a black belt, and that's something a lot of people overlook heading into this fight, and Glover, of course, is known for his ground game. I think that sticks out to people more than anything, but when you look at this fight, what sticks out to you the most when you think of this matchup
2: tomorrow night? uh well i think you guys hit it on the head he by far has one of the most underrated ground games in the division i mean he was on the UFC Quintet team in December mm-hmm. when I was at, and he I think he went up against uh, Jay Z Cavalcante at one point, and like he went to draws, not like he was he was outclassed or out, uh, submitted or anything. So, uh, and I remember vividly his lead up to the John Jones fight when I would talk to him. He goes, "I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, and John Jones is not." So that is the one spot I think I can take advantage of. So you're not wrong, but Glover Teixeira has also had some uber impressive submission wins, uh, but they both have knockout power. So I yeah. really like this ma- I like this matchup that it's. It's not too jujitsu like we all talked about like Verdum and Olenek, how it was like a jujitsu practitioner's like like dream for the heavyweight division, or like like Francis Ngannou and Ganu uh, and Junior Dos Santos, where you know someone's just going to sleep, or like uh, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje is just going to be like a buzz saw and a wood running at each other. Like these guys can like if say one of them is winning the stand up and one of them shoots for a takedown, like no, there this fight could go anywhere and it's mm-hmm. pretty much evenly split. So it's one of these super fascinating fights where no one really has the advantage everywhere because they're both so good it's just a high level martial arts competition title implications out like i would watch these guys spar i would watch these guys grapple and i would be excited so uh uh it's two evenly matched uh, uh elite level martial artists uh that are just going to throw down for 25 minutes and i cannot wait
1: Laura, as people in the circle are well aware of, we always look forward to the fight itself, but we also tend to to look ahead and think about what's next. I and mean, with two hundred and five pounds yeah. being pretty interesting at the top, with John Jones and Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovitz, yeah. I want to get your thoughts, Laura, on what's at stake with this main event between Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira. Where does the winner go from here?
0: Well, I definitely. Uh... That's a tough one because Anthony, obviously, having already fought John, and it's not a fight that he looked great in, you know, and he's, I think you said it in the, in the intro, he's hes the first one that'll tell you that. That's definitely an outlier in my book. I actually, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again, but I'm also close with Anthony. So I, I'm minorly biased in terms of like, I want to see him get that one back because I think it, I really do think it would look a lot different, but John does that to a lot of people in terms of, and moving forward, you know, I think... I want, I also want to see Dominic Ray as John Jones too. Like it's such a tricky situation. This is why I'm glad I'm not a matchmaker because I think Anthony, interestingly, Anthony's uh, ranked number four, he was three and he dropped to four. Um, Man, I, if Glover wins it's if, if Glover wins it's a little bit different but when if Anthony wins then you have this like MMA math circle at the top of the division and I don't have a great answer for you is my answer
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Jose I mean Anthony sort of mentioned it yesterday on the virtual media day that you know Tiago Santos is a fight that sticks out to him because Tiago's gonna be coming back they fought at 185 we know how that one went do you think that's sort of uh where this leads to if Anthony Smith wins and then furthermore what happens if Glover wins it's hard it's
2: I hate looking past a fight because for all we know this is an insane fight and they both get six months suspensions and then yeah. like who cares who they fight next because it won't be till like the winter or fall or even early tw- like Anthony Smith had the biggest win of his career over Alexander Gustafson that was last June and he's just coming back so for all we know someone could get hurt but I agree with you I like the Thiago Santos fight Jan Blachowicz. it seems John wants to fight him. Um, ratchik i don't think has a fight vulcan is out there he doesn't have a fight i know they he, uh glover just had the win over krylov so there's not there's not fights there's obviously fights to make at 205 pounds but i want to see the reyes rematch really bad i was cage side for that fight i want to see reyes jones really bad the winner of this could fight Jan. i don't think that's fair to Jan, but it also i personally scored the fight for dominic so we could be just saying like, oh, Dominic Reyes won. He get John Jones gets the meter out. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Uh, so I like I like the Reyes Jones fight and the winner gets Jan, but again, it's it's hard to say in the, the current climate of the UFC of if if Jan could even get into the country. If he has to fight on Fight yeah. Island, or wherever that is. So there's there's a lot of questions that I need to answer before we can fantasy match make this this division. Absolutely. Co-main event in the
1: heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell taking on Ovin St. Prue. Yes, the same OSP <laughs> who fought for the interim light heavyweight title against John Jones a few years ago. But what was interesting about OSP at weigh is that he weighed in at 240 and a half pounds.
2: Like, he outweighed more than half of the other heavyweights he on the card. He outweighed three heavyweights on the card. It's unbelievable. He I outweighed Alexi like, Olenek. He Doom.
1: I had to listen, like, to to make sure that two forty point five was correct. I, I had to go on Twitter and make sure that was correct, and everyone had it that way. But we have two powerful guys who both have signature submissions: Rothwell with the Gogo, OSP with the Von Prue. Jose, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on tomorrow night's heavyweight co-main event?
2: I love it. Uh, I, we had Ben Rothwell on the A side, and he has this—he uh, has this thing where, for whatever reason, he gets matched up with a lot of light heavyweights coming up, like uh, Christoph Szosinski and the. I think it was uh, IFL. He knocked him out in like 13 seconds, and then he fights Brendan Vera and he knocks him out in the third round. and gets matched up with Gian Vellante. That fight falls out, so he gets matched up with Ovin St. Preux. And I was like, why do they keep giving you light heavyweights? He goes, probably because they think I suck, and they just want to take (laughs) advantage of me. Those are his words. So uh, I'm super excited for this fight. Uh, Ben Roethlis said that every fight uh, he's in, he gets better, which the guy fought Tim Sylvie in like 2003, and like he's getting better, and Ovin St. Preux is... Uh, seems to be one of those guys that people keep saying, like, oh, this guy could be good. He could be good if he goes to a real gym. But he stayed loyal to his gym. And I'm really interested to see if this division breathes. Because he didn't look bloated or fat. He no. looks, like, built at, at heavyweight. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for this fight. If the winner of this fight taps the other one with their – like, if, if Ovensson Pruz submits Ben Rothwell with a with a Von Fluchoke or a Von Pruchok, whatever you want to call it, that's submission of the year. Like, just lock it in right now. Uh, so I, after interviewing Ben, he really sold me on this fight just because he goes, ah, he probably thinks I suck and I'm slow and I'm going to prove him wrong. So I am super excited for this fight, uh, to say the least.
1: Laura, I
0: know. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you go.
1: No, I want to hear what you have to say about this before I follow up with you.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I'm actually excited about it too. I've heard a lot of people like, this is the dumbest match. I like it. I think it's fun because it's so unexpected, right? And. Like you, Jose, immediately I'm like, okay, how is OSP gonna von Flue, von Prue? Uh, how is he gonna do this? And I guess the question to me is like, can he? Can he get a takedown, right? Can he end up on top? And he's done it. This is the thing. This is what I love. It's what I love about Alexio Linick Everyone knows that he's gonna Ezekiel choke. Everyone knows it, and every it still happens. It still happens. Like. Clearly you spent time in camp working on that. Clearly Ben Rothwell, however long a camp he's had, whatever type of camp he's had, has thought about this. It is in his head. Will it happen? We've seen it happen before. And I'm kind of dying to see what goes on with that, obviously that specific dynamic. But OSP is – I I hate breaking OSP down. I hate it because there's no – there are no patterns I feel like I can find in the way that he fights, the way that he wins – the way that he loses, it seems he wins so many fights that I don't expect him to. And then he loses fights that I don't expect him to. And Ben Rothwell is a ginormous human being. And that's a lot of weight to try to take down and lean your shoulder into their neck. But Ben Rothwell is not nearly as athletic as OSP, not nearly as fast. No offense, Ben, but you're not. (laughs) And if, if OSP can... I don't know, could keep him busy, maybe challenge challenges cardio a little bit. Uh, I feel like OSP could get it done, but, God, it's just, it's, I, I, it's a fun matchup. I like it.
1: I mean, and to, to follow up, Laura, you, you've worn the fighter hat before, and with OSP taking this jump up, not having to cut weight, and, of course, he's going to have to mind his P's and Q's with a powerhouse like Ben Rothwell, but do you think he heads into this fight you know, a little looser with a little less pressure than usual?
0: Yeah, well that's actually the thought I had because when I first saw that I thought, oh gosh, he's gonna be so undersized. And anyone seems undersized against Ben Rothwell. But as you pointed out, Jose, he looked good on a scale. He looked thick with a double C, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) in a good, he looked strong and thick. And that to me says that in the past when we've seen him he has been cutting a lot of water. And when you cut a lot of water, you get chinny and that's something that people have sometimes, you know, said about OSPs that you can you can touch them and put them down. If we see OFC, OSPs chin movement, just overall comfortability, which is not a word in a fight, um, I, I think we could really see a fun a fun fight with a guy who may have been belonging at heavyweight for a while now.
1: It's a very interesting matchup, um, but I think the fight that. I have circled on this card outside of the main event, takes place at 155 pounds, Alexander Hernandez.
2: That's what I was going to say. I guarantee yeah. you Mike Heck brings up Alexander Hernandez, Drew Dover. That is a Mike Hegg fight if I ever saw one.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it really sticks out to me. I mean, Drew's been in the UFC since 2013. He continues to evolve and get better. He worked with Justin Gaethje extensively yeah. for this fight since they were both preparing to compete around the same time, and he's coming off a huge win over, over Nasrat Hasparath, that, that nasty knockout. And then you have Alex Hernandez, who was sort of thrust into the top 15 after knocking up Neil Dariush in his debut, had the win over Olivia Aubin-Mercier, had the setback against Donald Cerrone, and then picked up the win over Francisco Trinaldo. Interesting fight at 155 here, Laura. What are you looking for between Alexander Hernandez and Drew Dober?
0: I love this fight. I think it's gonna be an absolute <laughs> banger. Um, I think that Alex Hernandez, such a tough position to be put in when you do something pretty cool and then you just get set on this rocket ship that maybe you're not entirely, uh, entirely prepared for. And I think that this is a really well matched fight. I love his wrestling in this fight because the times we've seen Drew Dober get a little bit of trouble, it's been on the canvas, but Drew Dober can bang. Drew Dober can knock a lot of people. He's got, I don't know, I've got the stat running around here somewhere, but he's got a super high knockdown rate. And he's coming off those two knockouts that you just mentioned, Mike. Drew Dober is super durable on the feet, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Hernandez is going to do a good job of pushing a pace. And that's, he's he's exciting, but he also can grind when he really needs to. He pressures forward. And once he closes the distance, he just grinds and grinds and grinds and puts a pace on people. And if you, when you're predominantly a striker, like Drew Dober is, you also have a favored type of cardio typically. So you can strike for hours and feel great. You can throw hard kicks and feel great. But when someone starts wearing on you on the canvas or worse yet, taking you down, letting you back up, taking you down, letting you back up, there's a guy in my gym, Grant Dawson, that is like the king of that, the king of just killing your up-down cardio. I feel like that's something that Alec, I could see Alex doing here, slowing him down a little bit, taking away his power. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know who I see winning, but I think it's going to be an amazing fight.
1: Jose, what's interesting here as well is that to sort of add to what Laura just said, like Drew Dober has been in the game for a while. He made his UFC debut when Alex Hernandez was cutting his teeth on the regional scene as like a 19, 20 year old kid. And Alex sort of spoke about this during the, the media day yesterday. He feels like he's still sort of a mystery right now that his opponents, the fans, they can't really put their finger on who Alex Hernandez is as a fighter yet. How much does that factor into this fight in your opinion?
2: Uh, it, I mean, it definitely put like, I think it's, he hit it on the head. I'm, I'm trying to like, when Laura was talking, I was like, what? Like, we both know Drew Dover's predominantly a striker, but like, what kind of fighter is Alexander Hernandez? Like, I can't put him in a category. Like he definitely grinded out a win over, uh, 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 what, uh, o, uh OAM. But then he got pieced up by, uh, Donald Cerrone. But like everyone gets pieced up by Don Cerrone. Uh, and to me, like he came out like a bat out of hell against Beniel Daruus, and there was some controversy around that fight with the the glove touch that he then uh, wasn't a glove touch that he said. Uh, but he like, if you didn't know that and you just saw how he carried himself, you just assume this kid has been fighting forever. This guy carries yeah. himself like a seasoned veteran, like. The language and the way he formulates sentences is fa- like is fat. I don't know why, but it is super fascinating to me. Like on the virtual media, day, he's like, uh, "I can't envision any time I'm not a problem for him," or something like that. And I was like, "What a weird way to say that I can beat him anywhere." Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know if I favor him. I, it, this is a fifty-fifty fight for me. Drew Dober looked really inter- like really like crisp against Nazareth Hasperak in his last fight, but like he said, like Nazareth threw a real lazy kick. And didn't have his hands up, and Drew Dover took advantage of that. Uh, I don't think Alexander Hernandez is the type of fighter to make those mistakes, uh, especially in the middle of a firefight uh, against Drew Dober. So I, again, I don't know who's going to win, uh, and that this is, uh, this is, I love this fight for that reason. Uh, it's these two guys that I think are meeting at the perfect time. Uh, they, they look like if you just show me their bodies, they look exactly the same to me. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm high. I'm not as hyped about as much as no one cares. has Drew
0: Dover's calves though. No one has Drew Dober's
2: calves. Matt Sarah might have Drew Dover's calves. He That's the only good one point. That can Matt challenge.
0: Sarah might have Drew Dober's
2: calves. But Matt Sarah might be the only one that can challenge Drew Dover's calves. But you're not wrong. Uh, I am. It's two different kind of guys. Too. I was at the stare downs and uh, Drew Dover is just cheesing the whole time, yeah. and Alexander Hernandez is like that. And then, like he, he like Drew Dober goes to shake his hand, and Alexander Hernandez just walks away. I was like, saw that coming. I knew Drew Dober was going to try that, and I knew Alexander Hernandez was going to pull that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know who's going to win, but it's a super fascinating fight to me. Yep, completely.
0: Dober has, has such a baby face, but he I does. mean, to your point, Mike, like he has been fighting forever. Another Midwest guy, and I, I, actually fought on a card with him when I was an amateur. He fought on Titan, and uh, he fought with my teammates. But like, he's been around. The, he's been around the game a long, long minute. And yeah, I love I really like him training with Justin, too, that having a teammate that's getting ready for a huge fight, the biggest fight of their career, makes all the difference in the camp.
1: Yeah, and Hernandez has been in camp since, like, January 1st, so he's been in mm-hmm. camp for almost almost five months now. But I
2: was, I was at Drew Dober's first ever UFC win against Jamie Varner when Varner knocked himself out, and that seems uh-huh. like it was 10 years ago. And it was it was 2014, 2013. It was in Phoenix. Uh, Drew Dober was pretty like two-fight losing streak. If he lost, he was probably going to get cut. And then Jamie Varner knocks himself out, kind of got lucky on that one. But, yeah, that seems like a long time ago to me.
1: A lot of interesting matchups on this card. I know it's not as deep as 249 on paper. But as you know, Jose, I like to search for that quasi needle in the haystack on these fight cards the one that people aren't really looking at that could potentially steal the show so what checks off that box for you heading into tomorrow night
2: uh i would do be doing a disservice if i didn't bring up uh the Sajar you bring sarah morris fight i know uh our a- alex stavis uh our uh camera woman extraordinaire uh always likes to highlight the women's uh mixed martial arts fights or as she likes to call them just mixed martial arts fights. They don't don't have to attach a woman <laughs> in the front of it. Uh, I'm a Cjar Eubanks is obviously a polarizing figure. Sam Morris is come is coming off a, a missed weight cut, but she made the weight. So I have to sit, circle on that one. Uh, anytime you get a 135 pound uh, fight in the UFC, uh, because Amanda man Nunes has been so dominant, has been knocking off so many contenders. It seems like same as 125, and then 145 is another conversation. But like those two weight classes, every fight seems so important because they're not running out of contenders. They're just, the match, like one win is basically keeping Mm -hmm. you in that top 10, top five range. And one loss could be a huge detriment. So it might not be the most exciting in terms of the actual fight, but the stakes that it could lead to are super important for both women. Uh, Again, like 125, 135, three wins in a row, you could fight for a title. So every win is important, every fight is important. So I'm going to circle Eubanks-Morris as mine. Laura, what's yours?
0: I like the uh, Omar Morales-Gabriel Benitez fight a lot. Uh, Omar is obviously new to the UFC. He's 1-0 in the UFC, but he's coming off the Contender Series. And he was one of those guys that I was really surprised that Dana picked up just because of his age. He had uh, a phenomenal win, a phenomenal win. But there was always kind of this thought, and I think Dana even said it. I don't remember what season, but he kind of said, you know, we're looking for this is the Contender Series, right? And you think of Contenders as being young bucks on the come up and, but he fits that in terms of his record. I mean, he's nine and oh, undefeated. He's a puzzle that has yet to be figured out, looked great in his last fight. And what I like about this fight for him is the weight class. I don't know that I like the idea of Gabriel Benitez uh, who is obviously naturally a featherweight taking on one of the bigger lightweights I've ever seen. Uh, Omar Morales is a really, really thick guy, fantastic kickboxing background. And it is those kicks. I mean, Gabriel Benitez throws hands. He's got amazing boxing, really, really solid, solid striking defense. But the kicks of Oma Morales are another thing to contend with. And when you add the fact that he's going to be the much bigger fighter, the longer fighter, it's just I, I, I'm worried that Benitez is going to have a little bit of a tough time uh, getting in, getting into range. But the thing why I say that this is the fight to watch, I mean, I keep saying I'm making it sound like the I'm making it sound like Morales is going to blow him out. I don't think he's going to blow him out. I just think it's going to be a super, super, super exciting striking match because even when he's even when he's down, you know, Benitez brings it every time. Even in his last fight when he fought Sadiq Yusuf, there was a moment in that fight where he almost had you know Sadiq out of there. So you can't just look at someone's record. You got to kind of know. Humbles with this is such an aside, you guys. Wouldn't it be cool if on Tapology or whatever there was like a a, a meter that came along, especially for decisions, or unanimous, like, was this a close unanimous? Was this a controversial split? Was this like an obvious split? Was this a blowout? Was this a close fight? I wish there was like a little rating scale. Sorry to digress, but anyway.
2: There
1: you go. We're changing, changing the way <laughs> typology does it. Make exist. it
2: happen. MMAdecision.com and typology should just merge into one. Yes. There you
1: go. I like it. I like both of those picks. Uh, I think after today and after the weight miss, Baby K versus Marvin Vittori sticks out to me because those two were jaw jacking when they were staring off, but I gotta say, I got my eye on the curtain jerker in the heavyweight division. Chase Sherman is back. He's gonna take on the 36-year-old newcomer in Ike Villanueva. Both these guys are in a tear. They both have finished wins over Rashad Coulter. I have a hard time believing that this one isn't exciting. It may not be the most technically sound fight you ever see, but (laughs) If this one doesn't end in a finish, I just, I don't know. I can't shave my head anymore. I just don't know what to
2: do. Chase Sherman, former bare-knuckle heavyweight champion, mind you, who lost his title to Joey Beltran, so that's no slouch right there. So, yeah, you're not wrong.
1: For sure. Laura, before we let you go, and I appreciate the time very much, yeah. you've been in Jacksonville since Thursday of last week, I believe. How would yep. you, I guess, describe the vibe right now with everything going on in the world? Is it what you expected it to be or is it sort of way beyond your expectations heading in with how things have gone down to this point?
0: I don't think I even could, I don't think I had expectations because I just, this is all so new. And I've been I've been very impressed with how things have, have been run. I really have. Um, it's, it's weird because on one hand, like you keep hearing social distancing, social distancing, and that's not happening every moment of every day for everyone. But I'm I'm, I'm of the mind that like, I'm of the mind that it doesn't have to, we've all been tested. We've all been here. I, I frankly, I guess I feel safer here than I feel many other places in the world right now, given the protocols that they've put in place. Um, it's, it's different. It's just really different. Like my setup for fight night uh, for UFC 249 was strange and hard to deal with, with the audio issues that we were experiencing and stuff. But my overall takeaway is that everyone is really proud and excited to be here. And the energy is while it's like, you don't know what to expect. You don't quite know what the rules are at all times in various places in Jacksonville. everyone's just psyched to be back and psyched to see each other and and proud to be getting this show on the road again, quite literally.
1: For sure, UFC 249 set a a very high bar for the the rest of the year. But Laura Sanko, everybody kind enough to join us on the UFC Jacksonville preview show here on MMAFighting.com. Prelims tomorrow night kickoff at 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Main event once again in the light heavyweight division, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. We will have you covered before, during, and after the event. Jose is our boots on the ground in Jacksonville, making it all happen. For the great Laura Sanko and Jose Youngs, I am Mike Cat. I need
0: to work on my signs here. I can't keep up with Jose.
1: I know. Well, we'll see you tomorrow night as we work on our signs. (laughs) Throwing stacks. (laughs) You're listening to the Vox Media
0: Podcast Network.
1: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Call mom. No. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower.
2: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to
0: keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder.